can't really sing. <laughs> la 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 Yeah. Hello and welcome to the SBNY podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy and I am your host. I'm here with my Sunday night slash Monday morning guy, Alec Argento. So. And don't forget that you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Find it by searching Sports Blog New York Podcast. Or you can look on our Twitter or Facebook page, which is also Sports Blog New York, to find a link right to that iTunes. And don't forget to leave a rating and a review because that goes a real long way in the iTunes podcast world. So if you like what you're hearing, leave a little review. Maybe a little five-star rating. Four if, you, if you're like kind of lukewarm about it. But if you like us, leave us five and you'll help us out a lot. We appreciate every single listener. Hey, Pete, do less. Just do a little bit less next time, okay? You know, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to tell the listeners that you you need to support the podcast, give us some stars, maybe a little... You know, that guy, that guy Alec, is really great. He's funny. I like him. He sounds I, cute. I, I like what you're doing right now. I want you to know that. But um, just less is more sometimes. You, you don't want to go to the girl at the bar and be like... So you want to just like go in the corner and like stay like looking at your phone for a little bit. That's how you get the girl. So less is more sometimes, you know. So you're saying that I shouldn't mention that we want a review and a rating on iTunes. Just say, just say, so and just move along. <laughs> well, sup then. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> All right. Well, I just want to remind you guys also that coming on Tuesday evening, obviously we have the bracket out for the NCAA tournament of 2017, but we're going to be doing a live podcast special through our Twitter, as well as on our Facebook page. So look forward to that on Tuesday night, a live podcast, breaking down the bracket from top to bottom uh, with some of our best hosts we got. Also today, we're going to talk a lot about the World Baseball Classic, little NFL free agency action, and touch again on the NBA MVP subject. I know Alec listened to one of our last podcasts last week, has a lot to disagree with, and I'm excited to go back at him because... You know, he might have some good points, but I'm going to make sure they're not good enough. Uh, I'm sure you have something to say about that. Yeah, I mean, I just think that you guys are kind of dumb. I mean, I shouldn't be telling my bosses that aren't my bosses who don't pay me anything. But uh, <laughs> you, uh, you you were saying some stuff about the World Baseball Classic. And, and while I have watched maybe like five minutes of the World Baseball Classic so far, now that Team America is playing, we be watching a little bit more. A lot of your points, I think, were just a little, a little off base, so... Uh, know that you're wrong, and then I can elaborate if you'll allow me to. Yeah, we'll get into that in a minute. Uh, cool. But also, you know, the Giants got Brandon Marshall, Brandon Cooks is to the Patriots, Brock Osweiler got traded, a lot of weird stuff happening in NFL free agency as usual. We'll get deep into that as well. And from last podcast to now, my MVP thoughts have maybe taken a slight change, and I know Alex might be a little different as well, so we'll get into that too. But first off, I want to talk about the game that Alec and I were at on uh, Sunday evening. Sick sick brag. It was a doozy. Sick brag, oh, right? Oh, sure. Yeah, oh, so sure. Certainly was. Alec and I had the pleasure of sitting in the Barclays Center for the Knicks versus the Nets. Shout out my dad for getting me the tickets. Shout yeah. out dad. I know you listen. Love you. Shout out Alec's dad. This may not be your father's podcast, <laughs> but it's his father's podcast. Uh, we got some nice tickets. We were around some good people, but it's just weird watching Knicks, Nets in Brooklyn like you could cheer for anyone. You can be a fan of nobody and, me and just get along with everyone. Me and Pete were listening to the cheers, and we couldn't tell if it was let's go Knicks, let's go Nets, and it just ended up just being let's go sadness because that's what goes on in Knicks-Nets game. So. Well, well, thankfully for the Knicks, they lost the game. So Knicks tank on, on the rise. Trust the tank. Trust the tank, always. You know, Lonzo Ball, probably out of our reach. But hey, Dennis Smith Jr., maybe De'Aaron Fox. We keep losing. We can see ourselves in that five slot. Hey, the Celtics picked someone nobody thought they were going to pick last year in the four spot. They could, you know, buck the trend and, and, and Lonzo Ball could fall a little bit. Yeah, you know, it's, it seems a little unlikely, but we could we could keep our fingers crossed. Hey, Pete, shut up. All right. <laughs> uh, the, the funniest thing, I think, you know, it, it's one thing for when, say, Jeremy Lin hits a jump shot and there's half a boo, half a cheer, or Melo misses and there's half a boo, half a cheer. Like, it's a little weird. But one when the actual PA announcer comes up and starts to... And you think it's going to be, let's go Nets. Let's go Nets, because we're in Brooklyn. And you still sincerely can't tell what's getting screamed. It's a weird situation. I thought it was a let's go dumpster fire, champ, but I could be wrong. (laughs) Could be wrong. I want to ask you, what do you think goes through Sean Kilpatrick's head? Who's, you know, an average player, good for the Nets, average player overall. He's at the free free throw line. Like, this is a guy who plays hard. (laughs) This is a guy who's actually not that bad. He's at the free throw line in his home stadium getting booed while shooting a free throw. Well, I, I, I mean, it was 
It was very interesting watching as well. Uh, Quincy Acey, former Nick Great, uh, <laughs> former Nick, Nick Great, just swapping threes all night. <laughs> that was fun to watch in my face. There was a point, true story, where Brooke Lopez and Quincy Acey were a combined <laughs> eight for eight from three, and I think they finished up around the like ten for thirteen range. <laughs> Which is absolutely absurd. <laughs> they shot 50% from the three-point uh, three line. Yeah. The Brooklyn Nets. They, yeah. <laughs> the, I didn't even know they were a professional team. I thought they were like an ABA thing or thought something. they were playing the Westchester Knicks <laughs> until I realized that Melo came out on the court. Oh, my God. That was interesting. But, yeah, again, shout out to Alex's dad. That was pretty sweet. Good time. Good time. So. Yeah. So. <laughs> hey, dad. So. Again, I want to just remind you guys that Tuesday night we're going to be going live on Twitter and Facebook with a live podcast Breaking down the bracket from top to bottom, you're going to be hearing a lot of breakdown in the next you know day or two because that's what people are going to be doing. You know, the tournament's coming up; it's an exciting time. But Tuesday night, we're coming to you live after all those quote unquote professionals do their job that they get paid for and tell us about the tournament. We, we then get, we're, we then we're going to come in hot. We get paid in love and respect and reviews, so leave a review on iTunes. Wow, yeah, that was pretty good, man. Not, not a bad sell. Not a bad sell. See, less is more sometimes. That was smooth. You know, if, if I didn't even bring it up, no one would have even noticed. Exactly. That's good. Anyway, let's move on to the World Baseball Classic. Uh, so I'm going to reiterate the point made on the podcast last week because uh, I know Alec is familiar with it and he has some fire to spit back at us, or me, I guess, because I'm the only one here right now. But for you guys who may have not listened last week and listening right now, basically the consensus between a few of the hosts was that if you are a manager or a GM of a MLB franchise – you especially don't want your pitchers going to the World Baseball Classic because you're nervous of injury, especially a guy like, say, Noor Syndergaard or, you know, as, basically as a Mets fan, Matt Harvey, DeGrom, guys who have had some injury issues in the past. You don't want them going there. You don't want to risk it, this and that. Also, we said, you know what? Screw the World Baseball Classic because we want our franchise to win a World Series, and we're valuing the World Series more than that. And it might be a little bit convoluted. But it who, might did be a- you, who did you say you were okay with going to the World Baseball Classic, and who did you say you were not okay with going to the World? What positions? And that's a good that's a good point. So we said, you know, we'd rather send our position players. We don't want to deal with our pitchers getting hurt. We would rather have position players out in the World Baseball Classic. If they want to go, obviously, all power to them. But as a GM or a coach, we want our players to know we're not pumped about it. Go do your thing. Support your country. We want you here, and our MLB season is more important. And that's kind of how I felt, but I know Alec has a little bit of a differing view. So I'm going to give you the floor. Based off of what we kind of consensed last week. Consensus. Is is that a word? Consensus? Consensus. Octopi. Yes. What you octopied last week. Okay, we're good. So so (laughs) give me your thoughts because, you know, we have one opinion. What is you? I just thought you guys were dead wrong on everything. How does that feel? It doesn't feel good. Nah, yeah. Knowing that I'm right as a Actually, it, it feels fine, but if you can back it up, maybe you can hurt my feelings. Well, I mean, uh, while I agree with the underlying statement that America doesn't really give a crap about the World Baseball Classic, some of what you were saying was just a little off base. Like, you're you're okay with position players and no pitchers. You know the only person that got a significant injury in the World Baseball Classic? Who, was? Alec? Tell me who. Mark text message to Shara. Uh, was out for essentially two years because of the World Baseball Classic. And if you were just saying in general you don't like injuries in the thing, in the World Baseball Classic, I get it. But you can't just be okay with position players because it, it, injuries happen. Injuries happen if you're playing at a high level. And they're, these people, you know, they're professionals. They want to win. Uh, they want to represent their country. And they go there for it. And, and then another issue I had with you, uh, specifically you and no one else, uh, but <laughs> – no, but uh, – when managers and GMs and, and, and everyone on the coaching staff tells the players they shouldn't go, it's so good for the sport, the World Baseball Classic. It's, it, it grows it nationally, and, and it's such an international sport at this point. And it's agreed upon between the, the Players Association and the MLB. And I, I heard Brian Cashman get asked about this. Can I stop you for a second? I guess. Yeah, sure. I'm no. gonna, I'm Please, gonna, elaborate. I'm going to stop you for a second. You said it's a joint thing between the MLB Players Association and the MLB. No. No, it's agreed upon. It's agreed upon. Yes, it's not a joint venture. Right, anyway. It's agreed upon. Who is not a part of the Players Association and the MLB? I didn't realize coaching staff and, and like GMs, they, they don't, where do they get their paycheck? They have their own association. Right. They, they There's a coaching association. Right, but who do they work for? The MLB. Right, who, and who like runs the World Baseball Classic? Yeah, but who do the coaches look out for? What best interest? The interest of their organization. No, I, I agree that they do that, but I, I'm telling you that's the wrong attitude, and that's what's... Not, All right. I don't want to say dangerous. Finish like, your point, and I have a, I have a counterpoint. I, you interrupted me like six times. So I guess... Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Give me your counterpoint, Pete, please. 
So, Please. yeah, no, I'm going to give it to you because it doesn't matter what's good for the game. It doesn't matter. Of course it matters what's good for the game. Wait, all right. It doesn't matter according to, say, coaches and GMs. They don't care about the World Baseball Classic because it's not for the best interest of their organization. But you and have- I'm not telling you how they should be. I'm telling you how they feel. I agree with that. I'm not arguing with that. They, That's they my point. But it's wrong. And I think I think that this could be solved as well. If there's two ways that, that that people will get into this. First of all, the the audience will grow if you take it off of MLB Network and put it on like a real channel. Because I'm one of the biggest baseball fans I know. I uh, five minutes ago I asked people what channel the, the NBA Network was so I could find where MLB Network was. I have I have no idea. You put that on like a Fox or an NBC or an ABC or something like that. People tune in. People tune into the All Star Game. People tune into the World Series. Um, it and people always say that baseball doesn't have good viewership. It does. It has very good view, especially local viewership. People look for their team, and it'll get better viewership if people. If there was more Yankees on the, uh, in the World Baseball Classic, I'd watch more. If Gary Sanchez elected to play for the Dominican Republic, I'd watch him. If Tanaka decided to play for the J- Japanese team, I'd watch it. But they don't want. They're not on there. It was different when I was when Derek Jeter and Dustin Pedroia and Teixeira were on it back in the day. But it's not like that anymore. And the other thing is, it's at a horrible time. It's at the time of the year. It's just an absolute horrible time. They're not. And I like the. I understand the idea behind it, where you want to get these people into. It actually theoretically would help the MLB. It would get these people into mid-season form earlier. But there's this worry of injury, which I think is unfounded because uh, ungrounded, I guess, because it doesn't happen. There's been one major injury of any player of note in the World Baseball Classic. And I do actually agree with you on two fronts there. So I agree with you in the sense that the injury thing, you know, you can say that about anything. That's a super fair point by you. Noah Syndergaard can easily get hurt in a spring training game. Yeah. he can, you know, As well as he can get hurt in a World Baseball Classic game. So, you know what? That's a very fair point by you. The other point that I also agree with, and will be network awesome. They do a lot of great coverage of the oh, league. Oh, yeah, nothing against league them. from start to start, top to bottom. You know, they, they cover the, the freaking expand, not the expand draft, the five. The Rule 5. The draft. Rule 5 draft. They cover that. Like, they do a great job. But even if it was on a Fox Sports 1 or an ESPN. Well, well, Fox Sports, well, yeah, no, it has to be on network. For anybody to care, it's got to be on a network. But even that is a step up from LB Network. Oh, without a doubt, yeah. You know what I mean? So that, that is a really good point. I, I think it all goes back to the fact that I, I know what channel ESPN is. I don't know what channel. Uh, MLB number. I also don't know what channel Fox Sports One is, but you know, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> it also depends. I mean, I would say a number, but uh, who has files? Who has optimism? True, true, anyway. sure, true. Because yeah. I could have just sick bragged great, right there and great. said <laughs> that I have. I know what number it is. Great point, Pete. Thanks. Another man. great point. <laughs> uh, but the last thing I just will mention is the kind of founding points of the argument about why we didn't care as much about the World Baseball Classic was that Noah Syndergaard came out and said. I don't ever. I never heard of a player make the Hall of Fame from the World Baseball Classic. Oh, really? I never heard of a, that uh, whole thing that's been around for a decade that nobody like is even up for uh, uh, for Hall of Fame voting who's played in that first World, World Baseball Classic. What a ridiculous concept! Well, he said that. I'm sorry. Then, I, I apologize. Uh, to, to all due respect, I just think that's a silly uh, statement to, uh, to from Noah Syndergaard. It just he always says these things to the media. He's just so. He's, he's not wrong, but it's not as good of a point maybe as it seems. And nobody on the said, Titanic has ever been in the Hall of Fame either. Correlation? You tell me. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but no, no, that's true. I mean, Leo, he's pretty talented. Maybe he'll make a switch in his career. But no, then, <laughs> then, he, then he said that no one's ever won a World Series because of the Baseball Classic. And I mean, maybe there is a correlation that a player gets hot in the World Baseball Classic carries into the season. The point of the matter is that the World Baseball Classic, if it really wants to take America by storm. It needs to do something bigger and better, and it needs to maybe change the timing. Right. It needs to get on a better network. And right now, get, and have stop stop having players and coaches say that they don't believe in it because that's you know not good for it. It's definitely not good for it. The, but you I'm can't sh- deny that that's a, that's a problem. But Pete, you're just telling me though. Uh, just I know you're trying to move on, but you, you were just telling me your buddy was at the uh, I'm guessing Miami watching. Yeah, the my two my two be- like good friends from college. And how were nuts there. how nuts was the Dominican crowd going? They were in right field with a ton of Dominican fans, and through their Snapchat stories that I was watching, the place was live and. Even during down moments, they were cheering, they were chanting, and it looked like a phenomenal time. So I am not doubting in the slightest bit that you know fans of specific countries get really, really into this, and they really love it. Uh, I think for the American fan, more needs to happen for the World Baseball Classic to move on to the next level. So in a way, we disagreed on some points there, but in a way, like what I'm criticizing and you're saying should happen – should meet halfway, and that would make the World Baseball Classic a lot better. So, you know, you're saying 
all right, Noah Syndergaard, get over yourself. The World Baseball Classic could be a really great thing. The MLBPA and the MLB should work together to build it up. I'm just saying that the problem lies where the coaches and GMs come in and Terry Francona telling it, like, saying, you know, Andrew Miller's going. I'm happy for him. Not going to lie. I'm not really that happy about it. I hope he doesn't get hurt. So there's kind of a double-edged sword, and it goes the same way with, uh, you know, a certain Olympic sports as well, with the NBA. I mean, certain guys just won't go. If, but you know what? But they time. do go. But that, a lot of guys do go, but, but that's some, just, certain but guys that's, do. But that's, that's less... I don't, I don't want to say less meaningful, but, you know, there's... there's it's it's equivalent. It's they, all these players in the NBA want to go, but it's at the right time. It's not during the NBA season. You know, I, I don't really follow hockey to be honest with you, but I I know that the the Olympics go on during hockey season, don't yes. they? Yeah. So I, I think everybody are they allowed to go into there? Or? Yes. Do they often? So yes, many guys do. But there's also I believe I actually could be, I could be making this up completely. We're big hockey guys. Yeah. I'm not, Let's uh, go Oilers. I'm a big uh, <laughs> big uh, Whalers fan. Hartford Whalers, Winnipeg Jets guy right here. So uh, I actually know I actually know a big Winnipeg Jets fan. Spano. Uh, anyway, I'm pretty sure they do some sort of break in the action when the Olympics is going on for winter hockey. See, th- these are the so, ways to go about it where you yeah. can make it exciting because America does love baseball regardless of whether or not uh, the viewership is, is. You're being told viewership is down. It's it, not. It's very true, and local numbers are just huge, and you just don't hear about those. So, mm-hmm. so that's besides the point. But anyway, keep up with the World Baseball Classic. I mean, America played Sunday night. Uh, big, big lead on Canada, pretty much dominated from start to finish. Nothing as we speak. As we speak. And there's there are some studs on that team. So, you know, some guys to look out for. And even some guy like a John, just before we move on, you know, John Carlos Stanton was hurt all last year, and he's in the World Baseball Classic. So, you know, shout out to him for, for putting it out. His name is Mike Stanton. <laughs> it's, it's, I, I refuse to call him John Carlos. We, <laughs> we were there when he was still Mike Stanton. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. Uh, again, we're going to touch on the NBA MVP race again, which I think is one of the most interesting races uh, in recent history. And we'll get into that. And then also, don't forget that we're going to be doing a live podcast through our Twitter, which is at NYC, as well as on our Facebook page. It's going to be a live podcast breaking down the bracket from top to bottom. Uh, and then again, this podcast is on iTunes. So search it at Sports Blog New York Podcast and give us a little rating and review if you so choose. Well, let's move on to the NFL free agency talk because oh, sure. our team here in New York, the New York Giants, have been slightly active so far. Uh, let's just go right into that one because we talked about it last week a little bit before our podcast covering the draft. Like you guys predicted, he went to the Patriots. So Yes, right. No, well, we had another one after that which we actually talked about him going to the Giants and how happy we would be, say he did go for a good price, which I think it's pretty fair to say he went for a pretty good price. What was your natural reaction to Brandon Marsh coming to the Giants? I've never been so passionately ambivalent towards something. I, I'm so angry and happy at the same time where it cancels each other out. Uh, I, have, I have doubts. I have you know happiness towards it. It's, just, he, it's, a, it's an answer to a question we didn't have. Our receivers weren't in doubt last year. It doesn't fix any of the problems that we have. Um, He's 32 years old. Name me one good wide receiver in the NFL over the age of 32. Larry Fitzgerald, Anquan Bolden, Steve Smith. Steve Smith. Steve, oh, yeah. Steve he Smith. just retired. He's, so he's yeah. not playing anymore. He's Larry good. He got me on Larry Fitzgerald, and Anquan Bolden's a good receiver. He's not solid. He's not like a – you're not going to write home about Anquan Bolden anymore. I that's, wouldn't. That's uh, debatable. But okay. I wouldn't. You got me on Larry Fitzgerald, though. I'll give you that. He's a Hall of Famer. Larry Brandon Marshall's not a Hall of Famer. Um, he hasn't played in a playoff game. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So you were lukewarm, and I totally understand that. Uh, I think that today you're lukewarm. I talked to you last week. You were a little bit more on the negative side of lukewarm. Because I, I, I think he's a locker room cancer, and, and everyone says he's, a, he's good for the first year and everything like that. I think it's, it, it, it stymies our growth a little bit because now we can't re-sign like Jonathan Hankins, who I think is, is uh, silently our second or third best player on, on our defense, but, and I don't think he gets the recognition he does. One of the best defensive tackles in the league. Uh, no, we're not going to be able to resign him. And I know we have a good history of losing people and then uh, losing defensive tackles and resigning them to the draft and everything like that. But why, why sign a thirty-two-year-old receiver? And he's going to he Odell is very in, um, influ- easily influenced, and he's going to be influenced by Brandon Marshall. I um, mean, just and they're going to fight over receptions and like they do. And I just don't I don't see how this makes the team better. I, I can see how it makes it worse. I can see how it stays neutral, but I don't see why this happened. Now, I think the natural reaction for a lot of Giants fans was exciting. was excited because Brandon Marshall is this opposite of Odell Beckham, not a small, speedy guy, 
Rather, right. a big, strong, physical presence. Get those corner fades in the background like we used to have at the Akeem Nixon Plaxico Burris. Exactly, and Brandon Marshall brings that to, for the, to the table. And now he did lead the league last year in drop passes. I believe it was something like nine drops, which when you say it out loud doesn't sound like that many. But you talk to Jets fans, and I think it's important to get the Jets fan opinion on the Brandon Marshall situation because you know he played two years for the Jets. One very good, one not so good. And they said it, nine felt like 15 drops because... How many of those drops were on third down? How many of those drops were that that long drive that you needed one more play to get over the hump into field goal range and he didn't make the play? So it is kind of a double-edged sword, but I think my reaction is calling Brandon Marshall a cancer is not quite fair. I'll consider him a common flu, a common cold. <laughs> so as an analogy, I mean... Wow, Pete, you're mad clever. Thanks, man. I told you that one. I actually said it last week, too. That was in the can. He had that one waiting for this uh, the podcast. Oh, 100%. Well, I respect I'm not, not going to deny it. I respect it. <laughs> but, but anyway, I mean, it's, it's unfair to call him a cancer because, you know, he has shown to be able to be a professional. And the thing with Brandon Marshall is he knows how to say the right thing. He doesn't know always how to do the right thing. So in New York, not on the Jets, but on the Giants... They have a decent culture. I mean, granted, the culture last year got a little bit wishy-washy without Tom Coughlin for the first year in a long time. But if he comes in with some professional pride, which he has, for year one, he should be on his game, looking to make the playoffs for the first time in his career. I think he understands now, with all the criticism he got in the New York media, for you know going on inside the NFL every week and flying across the country just to make an appearance on a Showtime show every, every week, he got a lot of criticism for that last year, and he's staying in the same market. I think he has to have learned that he can't let some of those things bring him down anymore. Granted, I still think he's going to be a part of inside the NFL, and he's going to be flying across country. I don't care. Honestly, I don't really care about that. But but also, immediately he, he says that, you know, and I know that it gets taken out of context a bit because if you read the whole thing, but that quote he had about the, about the, the, the boat party, or the yacht party, he's like, that doesn't happen around me. And that might not happen, but, you know... Is there any is there any difference between that and going to do inside the NFL before a playoff game? No. Probably not. That's a, that's a pretty fair point. I mean, the only difference is, you know, I mean, I, I guess I'm a bad person to ask because the whole boat thing annoyed me from day one. Did not consider it a distraction until it was talked about by every single radio station, every writer, every station. Like, I didn't get, it, was, it wouldn't have been a distraction if it wasn't made a big deal. And, I mean, you could say that about literally anything. But, granted, I don't think Odell Beckham sitting on a boat for a couple hours with some celebrities made him play poorly. But maybe the fact that he got 150 questions about it for the week after that, maybe that affected he, him. To play Odell play. brings it upon himself. I mean, he does it a lot. He, he likes to be a distraction. He enjoy, I think he enjoys it. I'm fine with it if, it, if, the, if the on-field production outweighs the distraction. I don't really care. But I don't know if it's – I think it's going to be um, – uh, it's going to be compounded with Brandon Marshall, personally. I hope I'm wrong. Big Giant fan. I, I, I don't root for anybody on the team to do poorly. I, I never liked Victor Cruz, but I always wanted him to do well. I mean, I'll say this about Odell Beckham. Number one, you hear his teammates talk about him, and what they always say is that no matter what he does off the field, the man always brings it on the practice field, and that's something you really can't take away from the man. And then number two, oh, I don't. I agree with you. I don't think he's as influenced as people will say. I think he's got a huge ego, so I'm not taking that out of the out of the out of mm-hmm. the story here. But he's his own man. He wants to be Odell Beckham Jr. He is ODB. I don't think he's letting Brandon Marshall come in here and like tell him like to do this or that or ba da ba da ba. I think he's being Odell Beckham, and anything that he does, positive or negative, was his decision that he's gonna own. That he may act stupidly about, but it's him. It's not anybody else influencing him. That's kind of my opinion on Odell. I mean, you know, agree to disagree. I can't argue that. Yeah. I mean, I mean it's, per- it's just personal opinion. Yeah. Uh, so there were some other moves as well. One that was quite hilarious that we'll get into in a second. The first one, first one we'll get into is a little more serious. Brandon Cooks may be the most talented receiver to wear a New England Patriots uniform since Randy Moss was on the team. How much do you think this affects the Patriots? Like, do you think this really puts them over a hump? That I mean, clearly they're already over a hump. But like, what does this I do for them? They sacrificed a lot. I mean, I don't. I don't honestly. For me, you could put a pile of a dog crap on the on the Patriots, and they're going to make it work. So I don't understand the need for them with their you know uh, with, with the history that Bill Belichick has to trade for top 
tier talent because they don't need top tier talent. Well, what did they trade for for Cooks? I, the... I have to look it up. They, I think they traded couple, two, they, two picks. Two picks. They got a pick back. I think they traded first and like a third, and like they got a pick back with Brandon Cooks for a later pick. Um, but it just it, it's again it's it's one of the it's one of these trades that doesn't need to happen. I don't. I, I I'm a fan of trades that are that, that necessitate. Um, like a, a, a hole in the offense or something like that, or a de- in the defense. So Yeah, I mean, people always think about Bill Belichick that he does no wrong and this and that. I mean, it's it's hard for even Bill Belichick to hit on a draft pick. So this, yeah. is, this is why... Surprisingly, I, he has one of the worst success rates past the first round. Like, everyone always hates on the Giants for that. He has one of the worst success rates. Yeah, I mean, everybody, consider a success. everybody thinks that, you know, Bill Belichick is this, this mad genius, and granted, he is. That still doesn't mean that he's going to hit on every draft pick. I heard something on the radio earlier this weekend, and basically it stated that the people who are considered good drafters, their success rate is about a 56-57%. That's just over the hump. That's just hitting yeah. more than you don't. So that means if you hit 48%, that's pretty damn good still. No, I agree. You know what I mean? So people act like these draft picks are so important. But don't act and granted, like- they are. If you get a guy like Brandon Cooks who's a proven receiver, a guy who can clearly help Tom Brady... There's nothing wrong with him. Don't get me I wrong. Think, I, I, I don't, think it's I don't a think positive it, move for that. It definitely doesn't make the team work. It doesn't hurt the Patriots in any way. Yeah. It makes them better. Mm-hmm. And the Saints, you know, they would have had to pay the man, and they didn't want to because they feel the same way the Patriots do. They still have Drew Brees. They can make their offense run with just about anybody playing wide receiver. They got to get rid. Of, they, they should shop Drew Brees soon. He's getting older. They're gonna have to move on. They have nothing in the pipeline. He'll you're, probably retire. You're, you're, you're gonna see a big flux coming in. Because a lot of the you know premier quarterbacks in the NFL are going to be retiring within the next two three years. There's not a lot of good new young quarterbacks around. It doesn't happen very often. Uh, there's going to be a big drop off, and a lot of people are going to be caught in quarterback hell coming up. I think the Drew Brees, the Eli Mannings, the Ben Roethlisberger's, the Philip Rivers. Yeah, the, all these guys. Tom Brady. Are, they're getting there. Tom they're, Brady's going to be gone soon. I mean, for a while we thought Tony Romo, but you know, it's, I personally think uh, Dak Prescott is 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 horrible. Uh, but wow, hot I, take. I, I think he's horrible. I think wow. he's, I think he's like the most overrated quarterback in the NFL personally. Oh, I hope there's a Cowboy fan listening right now because if there I'm is, sure there are. But please tweet at Sportblog NYC. I should I should write this down because Cowboy fans I don't think they know how to read right. Oh, <laughs> scorching hot out here with Alec Argento. No big deal. Wait, can you elaborate just like a minute or so on why you don't think Dak Prescott's very good? If you told me Ezekiel Elliott was overrated, I'd tell you you're crazy. He was the only reason Dak Prescott. People are saying he was an MVP. But when he had like 12 touchdowns last year, yeah, he like he can't throw past 20 yards. He I I, watch, I watched him with the Giants uh, again uh, twice when they played them. And the Vikings did it as well. The Vikings kind of, you know, they shot themselves in the foot in that one. All you have to, if you can manage to take Ezekiel Elliott out of third down plays, if you're if it's longer than third and six and you know that Ezekiel Elliott isn't going to be running, Dak Prescott cannot hit anyone at all. He can't he can't throw from more than 15, 20 yards at he all. He had 23 touchdowns, by the way. Rushing, a bunch of them are rushing. Um, when you have that offensive line, I could, I could, I could run, and I'm not athletic. I could run for 60, 70 yards on that, on, on that, uh, with that play calling on the year. Yeah, <laughs> come on, come on, guy, you can't bring that up. You can't bring that into here. He's trash. Uh, but you, watch him in two years when when these offensive linemen start, you know, leaving and get reshuffled. We're having him. to get paid. Yeah, they're, they're going to be leaving. So. I think there's something to say, and this is what I liked about Dak Prescott all year, and it was really like his poise. A rookie in the fourth in the draft in the fourth round comes into the Dallas Cowboys, one of the most storied franchises in the NFL, comes in and takes charge. I mean, some of the most impressive plays for me were when he would roll out and throw the ball away. Or when he would scramble and pick up a five yard first down. Those are the plays that you can't really put a grade on because it's tough. But that's where he impressed me the most, but I do understand what you're saying. He is not the most talented quarterback. I'll, I'll always take a pocket passer. In the NFL, but he he kind of is a pocket passer. He relies. To, he he's able. To, he's he's not that tall either, if I'm not mistaken. He's like an average quarterback. Guy. Yeah, it's it's when you have the time in the pocket that he does. Any quarterback, any ba- Mike Glennon, if he's the starter on, on the on the on the Bears, if he had that offensive line, he'd put up similar numbers, if not better than Dak. Prescott. He has a big arm. Yeah. Well, let's get on to another quarterback. You know, we talked about all those quarterbacks who are going to be retiring soon. Let's talk about one who got paid and then traded. And maybe cut, but probably not. The Brockett chip. The Brockett chip. Houston <laughs> had a problem and sent the Brockett chip to Cleveland. Oh, man, I saw it on Twitter. But Brock Osweiler gets traded in one of the most bizarre trades in the past five years, probably. 
and is now in Cleveland. Do you think he actually plays for Cleveland? Do you think he's going to sit the bench? Is he going to get cut? Like, what the hell is going on? I don't know what's going on, but I just love the idea behind the whole trade. It's yeah, like, it's, it's, it's like, well, I have this flaming pile of garbage. Hmm. Maybe I'll offer you two flaming pile of garbage so you can take this flaming pile of garbage off my hands, and then you can just eat that. Garbage. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the Browns have like a thousand picks now in the next two years. Like, what do they have? Like six second round picks in the next yeah, two years? Right. It's ridiculous. They have so many picks now. They're stocking up. And who's now gonna, they're... Who's going to trade for him? They, they're, they're shopping him. Who's going to trade for Brock Osweiler? He's trash. The only team that would have traded for them already did. <laughs> the Browns were the only damn team to trade for him, and they did it already. You think so, Romo goes to, to, to the, uh, the Texans then? It, it opens the door. It really opens the door for Romo. Uh, I heard... I forget the name of the person, but it was on the... Freddie Coleman and, Ian and Fitzsimmons show on ESPN Radio at night. They had one of the Dallas ESPN guys on there, and he said that retirement is not out of the question for Tony Romo. And you know what? The guy's made a lot of money. The guy can easily get a media job. He's got a chip on his shoulder. He wants to, he wants to shove it in their face. I tend to agree, but you know, if the right situation isn't there, and maybe Houston is the perfect situation, maybe Dallas. I mean, Denver's the perfect situation. It, the dude's not going to go play for the Jets. Like, sorry, Jets fans. No, he's not going to like, the Jets. If you're a Jet fan and you still think Tony Romo's going to come save your team, like, just please just quit football. Just stop <laughs> stop rooting. You're, you're, you're wrong. You don't get it. Tony Romo will never come play for the Jets. If I'm wrong on this one, I don't know. what. I'll, like, I'll eat a sock or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> a lot of sock-eating bets in this podcast. <laughs> That's what we do. <laughs> Nobody's doing the sock-eating game like we are in the, in the industry. You know what my favorite things that happened recently I was uh, just like getting out of the shower or something like that, maybe shaving. And I look it's at my friend. Pro- Pico's beards. Yeah. <laughs> shaving my neck beard, keeping it nice and trim. But I look at my phone and it says, RG3, interested in playing for the Jets. <laughs> I can't even say that without chuckling. I mean, all right, there's one thing RG3 wants to play for the Jets. It's fun. That, that, that update that I got. Didn't say that the Jets are interested in RG three. I mean, all that means is RG three. How sad is that? Is he not the saddest like like case in football right oh, now? He's done so many weird things in the past couple of years. Remember when he got robbed in the, his own like the Browns facility? Remember when he broke up? I think it was it was a wife or a fiance or something like that. They they divorced and then he got a new girlfriend and in like, in like a Greta? month got a tattoo on the arm Greta. of her name. Are you kidding me? That's one of the weirdest things I've ever heard. I goddamn I love the RG3 when he first came out too. It makes nah, me so sad. I, I'm telling you I, I always go for the pocket passer. You can you can hate on Andrew Luck for the season he's had or, or, or the season and a half he's had I guess. He will be in the league for at least another decade. RG3 will be out in like 2 years. So. Ugh, poor guy. <laughs> Subway commercials, man, they'll do it to you. Justin Tuck used to be on Subway commercials. Doesn't have a job anymore. I mean, at least he won a ring, right? Sure did. Yeah, did he win two? Eh. Definitely won one. I think he might have won two. I think he was on both both those. Uh... He might have been the only D lineman who'd been on there for both. I don't know. Yeah, because OC wasn't, and then Strahan wasn't, obviously. Right. It was Kenny Kiwanuka? Was he on both? I don't know. I don't think so. That's irrelevant. Look it up. That's your homework, guys. Yeah. Look up the, de- the definition of the word streak. Uh. <laughs> more, it took me a while to get that <laughs> more than know. two more than two okay uh, any other moves in free agency that haven't oh, you said the Giants signed a, a lineman I mean yeah they gotta go they gotta get some more of those I mean what, what are we gonna do here and break down a lineman play come on well I mean, on. They, they, this is not a good draft for um, for what's it called for uh, for offensive tackle so I will say I watched tape on the first pick of the NFL draft that didn't happen yet Miles Garrett, guy who's an absolute savage. The, the left tackle for Alabama, oh, Cam, Cam Robinson, Robinson, was beating him up a little bit, man. He's, like, he's legit. Well, Cam Robinson's like top five talent, but he's, uh, he's a bad off the field guy, right? Ooh. He has a couple mug shots out there, right? Yeah. I, was thinking. I don't know, but maybe. I'm pretty sure. I, I, my buddy at work was telling me about him. I, I'm not really a big college guy, but uh, I was looking at tape on him. He, he pancakes guys out there. He's a, he's a savage. Um, so that's what we got on the NFL free agency. I mean... Realistically, they, we got we got more days of the free agency period coming. So only more things going to happen. Uh, we talked about Brock Osweiler. Like, come on, who knows if he's actually going to be on a team come come this <laughs> summer, right? So like, what else are we going to say? The guy has become one of the laughing stocks of the league, which is quite sad because he was on the Super Bowl winning Denver Broncos. 
So everyone thought he was the the heir apparent. Nobody of thought. Manning. Nobody thought that when he was on there. Everyone. That's like when Joakim Noah got signed, and no, everyone was like, "Wow, that was like the worst signing I've ever seen in my life." Everyone knew that the Brock Eisweiler signing was just atrocious. You'd be surprised though. There are people out there who believed in Joakim Noah. Yeah, there you, are people you, out you, there. I remember having this conversation where you're like, "The new salary cap. It's going to be a good deal in three years." Yeah, okay, Pete. <laughs> he did say that. Don't act like you didn't say that. I'll say that. I did try to defend it. I tried to defend <laughs> sitting it. Sitting where you're sitting now, five months ago, you told me that. I tried to defend it. I never said it was like a great thing or anything like that. And don't tell me I did because I didn't. <laughs> I did try to defend it. I tried to say it wasn't as bad as people thought. It was worse. I was wrong. I was wrong on that. I'll, I'll wear that one right on the cheek. It's okay. But the Brock Osweiler thing, like people thought he'd be fine. Like People thought he'd be an okay quarterback. It wasn't until like week three in Houston when they were like, wow, this guy is absolutely horrible. <laughs> so what are you going to do? Uh, but again, don't forget that the Sports Blog New York podcast is now on iTunes, so subscribe, leave a rating, a little review, how you doing, how you been. <laughs> as well, uh, we have the live NCAA tournament podcast coming up as well. It's going to be live broadcast through Twitter, so our Twitter is at SportBlogNYC, so stay tuned for that Tuesday evening. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm pretty excited for it, and we're going to get deep into that. We'll do a mini, mini breakdown of the NCAA tournament at the end of this podcast, but I want to get into... One of the most interesting topics there is right now, and that is the NBA MVP race. Now, for the longest time this season, maybe since you know the second month of the season, everyone thought it was a two-man race. We thought it was James Harden and Russell Westbrook, and then in the running away in the 3-4-5 spot was LeBron, Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, yada, yada, yada. So now it's become a four-man race. We got four guys. We got Russell Westbrook. We got James Harden. We got Kawhi Leonard, and we got LeBron James. Now, last week on the podcast, I explained to you why I thought Russell Westbrook was number four on that list, and I am not by any means retracting from that statement. I feel very confidently that he should not be in the top three for the NBA MVP, and we'll get into that. Lately, I've been having a little bit of a switch. I've been a James Harden guy most of this season. But the more and more I think about LeBron James and watch LeBron James play and see what the Cavs are like when he's not on the floor, I'm hard-pressed to not give the man some credit. I mean, granted, he is already pronounced by everybody around the league to be the best NBA basketball player in the entire world. I'm starting to just think, all right, we all think he's the best player. He's also the MVP. He is the most valuable he means the most to the best team. So that's my switch that's going on right now. I'm still kind of torn between James Harden and LeBron. Slightly starting to lean towards LeBron James. And I think as the last 15 or so games go on throughout the season, LeBron is making a serious push. And like I said last week, NBA MVP voters are on notice after they caught a lot of criticism for announcing Steph Curry as the first ever unanimous MVP. After, you know, his finals performance or lack thereof. So I don't know how you feel about this, Alec. I think I have a feeling. I don't understand that you, why you don't think that Russell Westbrook is a legitimate candidate. It bothers me. I, I do think he's a legitimate candidate. I just think he's number four. There's, a, there's, five, there's five voting places, five people who become in the, in the race, right? So if he's in the top five, he is a candidate. Did I not say that? I guess you said that. <laughs> he's just not first, second, or third to me. I, I just... I don't care we that he's this, averaging We had, we had this level. argument while we were uh, drinking beers before the Knicks game, not to brag. Uh, <laughs> but totally to brag. <laughs> but I just think the voting is so ridiculous. It's all, it's, you know, he doesn't have the, the supporting players that the other people have. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, Harden has less supporting players than like LeBron does or, or Curry or something like that. But um, the voting and the metrics you use to um, decide who's the MVP, I just think are a little lackadaisical and, and just antiquated. Like, uh, it's like in baseball, like if you're not on a winning team or you didn't go to the playoffs, you're not an MVP candidate. I just think it's ridiculous, personally. So. But then, like you mentioned while we were hanging out earlier, Mike Trout won the MVP last year on an awful team. Yeah, and that was like groundbreaking. Well, in the NBA, it's been over 35 years since MVP has not won 50 games. And the Thunder and Russell Westbrook are most likely not. They would basically have to win out almost to win, to break 50. So it's unlikely. I don't think he's going to get it, A. I think, excuse me, I think fans are going to want to give it to him still, and there's going to be an uproar just like when he didn't make the all-star starters 
that why didn't Russell Westbrook get this? But when it comes down to it, how is the person who is the best player on the best team with the best odds to win the championship not the most valuable player? No, I agree with you. I, I don't agree. I, I, think it's, I think it's a numbers game. I think it should... I don't know. It's, so it's, if it's a numbers game, then all right, give it to Russell Westbrook. He averages a triple double. He's, it's a, he's well, less efficient. It's, it's, it's a it's 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 a few things, and uh, Russ is going to be on a playoff team, right? Yes. He has better numbers than the than the, than the lot. It um, depends how you look at numbers. Well, overall, I mean, uh, if you look at, I, I personally think Kawhi should be a little higher on everyone's list as well. I think Kawhi is just unreal, and I, I think that last I, week I had him at two, and I had LeBron at three, and Russ at four. Well, I'm not saying you; I'm just saying in general. I mean, like this is what I was saying: uh, people don't vote for defensive players for uh, for MVP because there's a defensive player of the year award, and I think that's a little mm-hmm. ridiculous. I mean, just it's like why why pitchers don't usually win. Um, the, the MVP because it's a little Cy Young. Uh, okay. Well, it's, it's, it, in my mind, it's the same, the same basic idea. It's that there's already an award for that. It, you that yeah, that's a great part of your game. But we value offense more than anything else. And if you're going to value offense more than anything else, that's going to be the way you're going to do it. I think you got to give it to Russ or Harden over LeBron personally. Well, I mean, and I brought up this video before. It's been a pretty controversial video on Twitter. It was uh, Nick Wright, who is an often member of the Herd on Fox Sports 1, a couple other programs on there. He's a pretty you know, hit-or-miss guy with fans, so people either appreciate what he says and what he does or they're big haters of his. But he brought up the points and said that James Harden is leading the league in turnovers, is about to obliterate the record for most turnovers of all time. And to that I say, all right, decent point. But that's the style that they're playing, that they are devaluing the turnover. By the way, that, that D'Antoni offense, everyone loves it now. Give it a year and a half, everyone's going to run D'Antoni out of town again. That's what happens to him every time he goes anywhere. <laughs> that's true, but now he has more statistical evidence to back up his, his madness in a way. But, you know, the, the Rockets devalue the turnover, right? So they don't care that James Harden is turning the ball over more because they're taking the fact that he gets Eric Gordon, Ryan Anderson, now Lou Williams, Trevor Ariza, uh, Patrick Beverly, he gets all these guys involved to feel a part of the offense, to move the ball, to dribble, pass, shoot. Do their job. To do their job and play in their game. So he does more than just turn the ball over, get assist, and score. He actually just sets up the entire offense. So that's why he gets more credit. And Russell Westbrook, to me, just doesn't do that. And actually, I want to bring this up because I got into a little riff on Twitter. Actually, I was I was hardly a part of it. But it was a quote on Sportblog NYC that was kind of you know promoting the podcast. And it said, it's a quote of mine. Russell Westbrook leads the league in selfish assist. <laughs> so somebody said, how dare he pass the ball so selfishly? <laughs> and to that I say, you're simple-minded. You are simple-minded. So somebody did the job Probably for Probably Cowboys me. fans, am I right? Uh, actually, wait, he had his, his city. I think he was actually a Bay Area or a California guy. Oh, so he's a Warriors fan. Um, maybe. I don't know. Either way, if he was a Warriors fan, he should understand this more than whatever. Anyway, besides the point. So somebody did the job for me and said... It's what happens when you hold the ball for the entire shot clock, then either shoot yourself or pass it to somebody for a bailout shot. And that's what happens with Russell Westbrook and the Thunder so often. He'll hold the ball for 20 seconds at a time, out of a 24-second shot clock. Dribble, 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 pick and roll, pick and roll, cut to the hoop. He doesn't have a shot. Uh, where's Victor Oladipo? Where's Steven Adams? Hurry up, shoot. Who is that benefiting other than Russell Westbrook? Helping him get assist. He's assist hunting is another word that somebody used on Twitter. It's fair. He's assist hunting. If Steven Adams wasn't such a good big man, Russell Westbrook would not be able to average 12 rebounds because Steven Adams is the guy doing the dirty work, boxing people out, and he has a free run to the lane when there's nobody else crashing the glass. So if Steven Adams and Sabonis weren't such good rebounders, Russell Westbrook wouldn't be averaging that many rebounds. And to that point... How much is like Sabonis paying you? Because you're always talking about how much you love Sabonis. Like He's like your favorite player in the world. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I. I Get off your I knees. can't say that. Get off your knees. I, I don't know. I don't know where that came from. You say it all the time off the podcast. You're always talking about Sabonis. I brought him up today. I did. You did a couple times. He's a quality. He's a quality little guy. He's a good. He's a good player. He's a good little player. He's a good little. He's a good little player. That guy. He's an NBA a legacy. From his daddy, Arvidas. Oh, I did know that. Arvidas Sabonis. Yeah. Anyway. Sidetracked. My bad. No, it's all good. And that's just that's how I feel about Russell Westbrook, and I felt like that way for a long time. And the fact, you've always hated, in fairness, you've always hated Russell Westbrook. This is my timeline on Russell Westbrook. Big hater said this guy will never win an NBA championship. He plays too aggressive. His missed shots are like turnovers sometimes when he comes down the court 
and take shots like Steph Curry. He doesn't shoot like Steph Curry. Back, he don't shoot the ball like Steph Curry. He shouldn't. Granted, he will absolutely take over a fourth quarter. He is immensely talented. I'm not taking that away from him. He does not contribute to winning basketball from top to bottom of a roster. His work ethic does. His will to win does. But when you're not moving the ball, you're not allowing your players to be themselves, you're not helping out the whole team. LeBron James, on the other hand, his team is 15 points better with him on the court. Granted, they have two other all-stars in Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love. The rest of their team is full of average to below average players. Richard Jefferson, if he wasn't on the Cavs, may not be in the league anymore. He may be retired because no other team would give him the chance. He could still play. Channing Fry would be a league minimum guy who hardly gets minute, minutes on most teams. He's a knockdown dead-eye shooter on the Cavs. Okay. That's because of LeBron James. Kyrie Irving doesn't move the ball very well. LeBron Kevin James. Love is not moving the ball very well. It's I, all I, about I, LeBron I, on that team. Granted, he will defer to Kyrie at the end of games, and that is good basketball because he allows Kyrie to be himself and get buckets. I think Victor Oladipo is getting the short end of the stick this year because Russ doesn't allow him to be himself. Okay. On the court. I, I, I mean, I, I don't disagree with you on that one. I, I just think it's hard to... It, it, Victor Oladipo is no Kevin Love. He's no Kyrie Irving. I mean, he's the next best player on that team. It doesn't make him a good player. He's a solid player. He's not going to He's not gonna win you games like, like, like Kevin Love or Kyrie Irving are going to win you games. So in the same sense of saying that, you know, the Cavs supporting cast is better than the Thunder supporting cast, right? Mm-hmm. Can't you say as well that the leader of that team makes the supporting cast better. Like, what do you think Victor Oladipo would be if he was on the Cavs? Because I have an idea. Very good. He would be Iman Shumpert on steroids. He'd be a very good defender, a guy who can actually handle the ball. He'd be a starting version of Iman Shumpert. He would be the who we thought Iman Shumpert was when he got <laughs> drafted by the Knicks. You know what I mean? Someone who can handle the ball, can shoot open jump shots, and is not irrelevant on offense, and can lock down defend. That's who, he, that's who Victor Oladipo would be on the Cavs. If Steven Adams was on the Cavs, he would be 13 points, 10 rebounds, defensive and like defensive savage. Granted, he's close to that on the Thunder. I don't think he's empowered as a player by having a superstar in Russell Westbrook. Fair, I guess. I mean, I, 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 I think it's all about the people you have around you, the coaching staff you have around you, what system you're buying into, and I don't, I don't think it's a fair comparison to do that. You can't take it down from someone because the situation they're in. Basketball is such a chemistry sport and if people aren't buying in, I mean, look at the Knicks. The Knicks have so much talent on that roster and nobody buys into the system. Nobody wants to play with each other. Everyone wants to do their own thing and you can't really judge whether or not someone's good based off of that. I mean, it's it's, it's a team sport. It's the only true team sport out of the the major three, I think. Football's there right there too. But yeah. But it's just, there's so many different facets with football. I mean, there's so many more players on the court and on the field than there are on, on, in basketball. I don't know. I, I think it's hard to, it's apples to, apples to orange. So if you had to give me a breakdown of why you would vote for Russell Westbrook over, say, any of those three guys, what would be your biggest points? Other than the fact that he averages a triple double and that hasn't been done since Oscar Robinson, and other than the fact that, you know, he, say, I also I also like his. He's the most exciting guy. I I also like his. I know it shouldn't influence my my opinion, but I like how he handles himself off the court. I know he gets a lot of quotes because people, the media hounds him and everything, and eventually they're going to get some stuff. But I I think he is just focused on winning the games. I I think that you hear a lot from LeBron. You hear, not as much with Harden anymore. I mean, you've definitely heard some quotes from Harden in the past that they're negative towards his team and, and towards the the situation they're in. I think that. Nowadays, I don't think Russ used to be like this, but I think Russ is a constant professional as well. And, and uh, I think that what he's doing now is also kind of special because he's not – I don't. I said this to Pete earlier today. I don't think what he's doing is going – he's going to be able to sustain that for more than like two, two three years or stuff because he's just so explosive and you lose that when you're uh, – you know, eventually. It just it goes away. Yeah, and I think it's interesting. I mean, I, I, I think one thing that I will always agree with with Russ lovers, and I know you're a fan of his – I don't consider myself a specific hater of his. I think his will to win is stronger than anybody's in the league. Mm-hmm. Like, the guy wants to win. I just don't think he always goes about the on-court wanting to win in the best possible way. How so? Elaborate a little bit. The exact thing I just talked about for the whole yeah, time. But what do you mean, though? Not getting his teammates comfortable and fully involved in the offense. Also, I think know, he, I get, his, his effort level is so high all the time, but I, I which think, is crazily impressive. 
But if he was able to tone it back a little bit, he would be able to use those spurts of energy to be ten times more effective. I think you're. I think you're letting the past influence as well. Um, you're. You're. You know. You got to look at it year by year, and I think that I, I could be wrong here. Right? I think your your opinion of LeBron right now is is influenced by what he's done in his career. Absolutely not. He's been. I've. I was a LeBron hater for the first eight years. No, of his but career. I'm not. I'm not saying that. But I'm just saying the resume that he's built so far is allowing you to look at him through a different lens than you would say with Russ. I mean, Russ is doing something this year that he's never done before. LeBron's doing something that he's done before. and is, I wouldn't say his team is better than any other team that he's had before. I'd say it's worse than the one last year. I, w- I would tend to agree with that. Uh, but the one thing I will say is that LeBron has, is actually doing things that he hasn't really done before Such this as? year. His stats are higher this year than they have been in the past. And I'm pulling them up right now to get the exacts. Because I'm fairly confident that he's averaging just about the same amount of points. All right, so right now he's averaging 26 points. He's averaging 8.9 assists and 8.4 rebounds. He has only averaged over eight assists, bef- like in his cr- in a whole season, once before, and that was in 2009-2010. He averaged 8.6. So it's his highest year of assists with 8.9. He's in the top five in the league in assists. So. All right, let's 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 break it down into categories. Top five in the league in assists, guys. Russ, James Harden, Chris Paul, John Wall, and LeBron James. Okay. He's the only one who's not a point guard. Granted, he's a point forward extraordinaire. He's the only one who's not playing point guard this year who's in that top five for assists. Averaging over eight. which is, He's almost nine assists a game, which is spectacular. Where, he's also where, averaging, where is he compared to the other? What are the other people averaging? Um, I'm pretty sure Russ and Harden are, like and John Wall are like 11. Yeah. And Chris Paul's right at 10. That's a significant difference, by the way. 8.9. But that's a big drop-off. He may be top five, but that's a big drop Granted, it's a different position that doesn't really, you know, uh, facilitate facilitation. <laughs> but uh, nice, nice nice, alliteration. No big deal. Not to brag. Uh, but uh, I, I just, it's there's a big drop-off there. He's also averaging eight and a half rebounds this year, and he's only averaged eight rebounds once before as See, well. See, that's the switch between, that's a huge thing, though, for me. So there's, there's a big drop-off. He should be getting more rebounds than uh, than um, Russell Westbrook. He should be. He's he's, he's a bigger. He's he's a big. He's you know he's positioned better to grab more rebounds. Granted, you like you had told me earlier as well. Stephen Adams, uh, if Russell wasn't on that team, be getting a lot more. He'd be uh, averaging four more rebounds a game. Right, but at the end of the day, the numbers numbers don't lie. I mean, what about Tristan Thompson and Kevin Love taking rebounds all the time? What about it? Like they're taking those. Those are rebounds that. Instead of LeBron James giving an extra five percent of the it happens year. on any team. It happens on any team. Yeah. So I, I I think that no matter what, the ball's always in LeBron's hands. I mean, he's not he's not giving up shots for for other people. I mean, he every now and then he'll give someone to to Kyrie or Kyrie or take his own shot, but he's not taking he's not taking anything away from anyone else. Very fair. So I guess it really comes down to a debate of theory of what the MVP is. Oh, you know what I mean. 100%. So it's not even about. This is what I said last week on the pod that you listened to, and hopefully you guys did too on our network on iTunes. Go listen backwards. Go go listen to that one. It's a good one. It really is a good one. And, you know, I said there needs to be a most outstanding player award because I would easily be able to give that to Russell Westbrook because he's been the most outstanding. He's the most exciting to watch. He is dominant in fourth I, quarter I sometimes. guess you can make an offensive player of the year, a defensive player of the year, and an MVP. I think that would probably solve, solve your question. No? That could most likely solve the question. Offensive player of the year... Defensive player of the year, but then, but then say you get a guy who's so good, who say say like LeBron's best career year of his career, like what if they gave him all three? Like that would be BS. I don't think that's any problem. Yeah, I guess I guess it would I be actually fair. I think that that would prove that you are officially the MVP, like, the most the, valuable. Yeah. So it's all about the theory of what you think most valuable player stands for, and and, the, and it'll never get settled. That's just a question for any sport. How how you. You know, you measure. Do you think the fact that Steph Curry got unanimous and there was some pushback on that? Afterwards affects the way people vote this year. It might. I mean, I it, it, pe- people have like this this fascination with how things should be done and and this tradition for voting and everything like that. And then it's I, I keep drawing off of baseball and football, but it's just I know it a little bit more than basketball, uh, admittedly. But they like Ken, like uh, nobody ever wanted Tom Se- anybody to pass Tom Seaver because Tom Seaver didn't get unanimous so nobody should get unanimous at the Hall of Fame and Ken, then Ken Griffey Jr. comes up and you're like alright well this guy needs to go in unanimously and he still doesn't he gets a little bit more than Tom Seaver but he still doesn't and that's kind of the same thing with with, uh, with, with the situation in basketball right now it's just everyone has these so now there's going to be pushback and I think eventually 
eventually there will be a unanimous person in baseball, and there, there's gonna it's gonna influence in basketball right now. That Steph Curry, I think that you had mentioned it earlier to me as well. That um, it's gonna uh, people who now that voting is out in the air and people can see who's voted, uh, you can really it, they're gonna get pressured into other situations that they normally wouldn't have voted. In. So like last year, people might have said, "All right, I have to give my vote out. I have to tell the public who I voted for." Everybody and their mother is saying Steph Curry's the MVP. What my, what's my vote going to even matter? I might as well just vote for Steph Curry. This year, though... Do you I think it's wrong, though, that he got... I, don't, I think it's fine. Oh, I thought he was a surefire MVP I think it's year. fine. I think you should... If you... If you I think it, it, the, the transparency that writers and, and the voters and everything have uh, is good. I, I, I personally... I think that, they, you know, you should never... If you don't think you should vote for someone and you vote for them anyway, that you're kind of a crappy person. You shouldn't have to vote anyway. You should vote for who you think is the best person. But you shouldn't vote for all these extra things that you feel that you should because somebody else deserves it a little bit more because of tradition and stuff like that. I just think it's silliness. Right, and I think my problem comes with the fact that not that Steph, Steph Curry was the first unanimous MVP, that there probably should have been five to ten unanimous MVPs in NBA history before that. Like Jordan. Like, like you're telling me Jordan LeBron. wasn't... I mean, LeBron probably should have gotten a unanimous one. Shaq, like all these guys yeah. who won multiple MVPs, and you hear Shaq on TNT all the time, they can't give it to me every year, Chuck. <laughs> Steve Nash won two MVPs. They can't give it to me every year, Chuck. If, if you like, th- if you think that we can't fill a podcast of just you doing Shaq impersonations, <laughs> you don't know how to do a, a podcast. <laughs> I could listen to that all day. <laughs> I don't know if that's a compliment or Chuck. not, but I'm taking it, Chuck. That's <laughs> <laughs> what it comes down to. It's like you can laugh like him there, by the way. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know. I'm not going to try to do that again. <laughs> It comes down to the theory, and we'll see what happens. I just think this one's going to be more interesting than many races in the years past. There's no wrong answer here, by the way. Absolutely. I, I know we're, we're having kind of fun with it and just, you know, embracing debate a bit here. But, uh, this is the fastest current podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I um, but, uh, by the way, Colin Coward, we're putting you on notice. Uh, <laughs> I fucking love Colin Coward, yeah, and you know that. I know you do. I was <laughs> taking a shot at you. Um, but no wrong answers there. I mean, I, 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 I'm not going to lose any sleep if any of those people get MVP. I don't really care. Absolutely. I just think, obviously, I don't think Russia win. If he wins, I'm not going to be upset about it. The man put in a spectacular season. I just don't think for what the award should be worth that it's his award to win. Personally, I, I think voting should conclude after the playoffs. I you think know, you should it, factor that in. I really I feel do. like I votes think, aren't due until like a week after the playoffs start. Anyway. No, I think, they, I, like I, think I think they get tallied the week. Uh, uh, yeah, something like, like that. I think that should factor into it, though. I, I mean, I I don't think you have to have someone who won the you know the championship, but if you have someone and that if that's the tiebreaker, it should be allowed. I don't know. I I think that that's you know you can't disregard that part of the season. Right. It throws in an interesting. It's like a half. A, if you go to the championship, it's like a half a season. Well, that's some really interesting stuff on the NBA MVP. I mean. We'll see what happens. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. I those four guys are the only four included. Isaiah Thomas will be Nate fifth, Robinson. and Nate Robinson will probably be <laughs> sixth or seventh. But those are really the guys, and let's see how it breaks down. There's still 15 games left ish, so we'll see. You know, LeBron's been tacking on some triple doubles as well, so you maybe that'll the, help us. Cause. You think the Knicks and the Nets are still in it, or uh, the, mathematically, the Nets are eliminated actually. So yeah, but like <laughs> math is for nerds. Yeah. This is a nerds podcast. Yeah, but on my ESPN app, it has an E next to their name. So we don't use the E word. Oh, we don't we don't give out free handouts. Oh no, 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 we don't do that. Eliminated. Colin Coward, you're on blast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so for the last two, last two minutes, let's uh, just we're not going to do a full break bracket breakdown by any means. But uh, what's one team that you were excited to just look at this year? Watch, see where they go. Um, Maybe put them far in your bracket. Well, I mean, I'm excited to watch Gonzaga lose really quickly. Hey, trash. <laughs> shout out Gonzaga, one seed, Blast. bottom left, <laughs> the West. People act like they know, like, they, oh, they're in the East region. Like, no, nah, it's the fuck, bottom left, top left, bottom right. Is that isn't that how everybody does it? North, South, East, West. You know, you're wrong and stupid for not knowing. There's no North, so you're wrong. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, the team that I'm calling is gonna lose early. Everyone's high on them. Michigan. I said it to you earlier. Man. I don't know. I think they're seated per- appropriately. So I think they'll make it, they'll win a game or two. They're seated appropriately, but I'm telling you, everyone's be like, "Yo, I'm shocked. I got Michigan in my elite eight this year, bro. They've been on a hot streak lately." And <laughs> I don't know what impersonation that was. Now, do that in a Shaq <laughs> impersonation for me. <laughs> but I'm telling you, Michigan, one game tops, and they're out. They're done after one game, after one win. Uh, you can't be that hot after having your plane crash on the on the tarmac. Like it's just that doesn't work like that. I don't know if you heard, but this might be a big year for mid major. Uh, or conferences, so I, I know heard. it's different than every other year when people say that. 
All the mid majors are gonna. It's gonna be full of them. Chalk full. I, I, you know, Pete. We, I, I don't know if you saw Wichita State had. A, I think they had like a like a twelve seed or fourteen. They had such a low seed. I was so shocked. They didn't do anything different than they always do. They're a ten. They're a ten. So, so they're a ten seed. They haven't done anything different. They won their. They won their conference. Um, they, you know, they won a bunch of games. They, what's the difference? Why are they seated so low compared to where they always are? The weird thing to me is they won their conference and they were already a top twenty-five team. Like, how did they drop to a ten? I, don't I, don't know. I have no idea how how the selections are. I'm gonna tell you one thing though, and I've said this before on the podcast, and I'm gonna say it again. Arizona, Pac-12 team. A lot of people on the on the East Coast. We don't get to watch them a lot. They got a seven footer from Finland, Lori Markkinen. Guy has a stroke. Like, it's prettier than Porzingis' stroke. Oh, this is the guy you, tra- you said you want on the Knicks. Like, I've been plugging the uh, I don't think he's a great fit for the Knicks, no, actually. The more I think about Knicks. it. But he is just really fun to watch, and the guy can stroke it. Like Is he like Sabonis? Oof, no. He's not even <laughs> close to Sabonis. Arizona, though, they're a two-seed. Uh, they're going to be fun to watch. Kentucky's always fun to watch. And then you, you got your big ones, and then you got uh, not Alex Alma Mater. Oh, uh, yeah, no, my Jaspers aren't in this year. Manhattan Jaspers didn't great. make it. Got Iona in there, some local love. Big hater on Iona. Yeah. That, that's my crosstown rival, five minutes away. But again, stay tuned with Sportblog NYC on Twitter. Check out our live bracket show coming up on Tuesday evening. And then as well, subscribe to our, our podcast on iTunes. You can find it by searching Sportsblog New York Podcast. That's all we have for today. Well, listen to the old episodes, too. There were some good ones on there the past couple since we've been on here. It's been oh, some yeah. episodes. Check out our NBA MVP one, and then everyone that was on a Monday, because Alex on that one. (laughs) But hopefully you enjoyed the show. My name is Peter Kennedy. Love you. You don't want to say your name? I just want them to know I love them. That's really nice. Yeah. Love you guys.